Hello, and welcome back to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Naomi Kling. And I'm Max Hogan. On this week's show, we'll begin by taking a look at this week's headlines in startup news. Then we'll hear from Ryan Weber, president of the Kansas City Tech Council, about what Sprint's merger with T-Mobile could mean to Kansas City's entrepreneurial ecosystem. After that, we'll talk with James DeWitt, co-founder of United American Hemp, a hemp cultivation and research company started in Kansas City. And finally, we will give you our digits, the numbers that matter in Missouri startup news. All right, let's speak startup. First, though, let's get to know you, Max. I don't think I've heard you host Speaking Startup before. You are right. I have never hosted Speaking Startup before. This is my first time. I've been involved with Speaking Startup, though, for some time, both on the reporting and the producing side. I've been with Missouri Business Alert now for just over six months, and I am from Chicago, meaning, yes, I am a Cubs fan. So I'm sorry to all those Cardinals and Royals fans listening out there. What about you, Naomi? You were on the podcast last week, right? I was. I was on the special Hyperloop podcast. We had come out last week as our resident Hyperloop expert, but I haven't hosted either. So this is both of our first times. I have been working with Missouri Business Alert since last August as well. I'm from Seattle originally, so I'm really excited to be hosting this for the next several months. Okay, great. With that being said, let's get into our headlines. Zor. A mobile tire service startup is relocating its headquarters from Kansas City to Dallas. The company said Kansas City has been a great test market, but the city did not provide the company opportunities to grow into a national brand. Zor will still serve Kansas City customers and is hoping to expand to Houston, Austin, and Denver. You may have heard of the startup app Be My Eyes, which allows people to connect with the blind and visually impaired to describe what's in front of them. The St. Louis-based venture capital firm Cultivation Capital has led a $2.8 million Series A funding round for the mobile app startup. As part of the financing, Paul Weber from Cultivation Capital has joined the company's board of directors. A St. Louis biotechnology startup, Pluton Biosciences, is on its path to commercialization, so they've acquired a local research laboratory to help along the way. They acquired Microbe Inotech Laboratories, which will become a new division of the startup. Last year, Pluton raised close to $100,000 through a local crowdfunding platform. A national nonprofit that helps veteran entrepreneurs has announced the launch of a new chapter in St. Louis. Bunker Labs is based in Chicago and provides programming, networking, and resources to help military families successfully launch businesses. Bunker Labs will hold a launch party and ribbon-cutting ceremony on March 18th. And lastly, a Kansas City-based executive outsourcing company that helps startups has moved into a new office and is launching a new line of services offering marketing expertise. The company E2E added 10 employees in the last year, growing to a team of 23. turn our attention to a story about two huge corporations and what their merger might mean for startups. You know what companies I'm talking about, Naomi? I'm going to guess T-Mobile and Sprint? Yes, it is T-Mobile and Sprint. Last week, their merger was approved by a federal judge, allowing the third and fourth biggest phone carriers to merge. Do you know how I knew that, Max? How did you know that? T-Mobile headquarters are about five minutes from my house back in Seattle. Really? 
they are. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. Anyway, where do the startups come into play with this merger? Well, Sprint is based in suburban Kansas City and has been active in the city's startup community in recent years. Plus, Sprint is a big magnet for tech talent, bringing in developers and engineers to the Kansas City area. And there's always other ripple effects to consider with big corporate mergers like this. So how do people in Kansas City's startup community feel about the deal? That's a really good question, Naomi. I talked with Ryan Weber, president and CEO of the Kansas City Tech Council, about what this merger means to the entrepreneurship scene in Kansas City. So what has Sprint meant to the ecosystem in KC? I would say Sprint led the way for how big corporations can engage with their local community and innovators and entrepreneurs. First, several years ago, was the creation of the Sprint Accelerator and the partnership with TechSeg. And the Sprint Accelerator is still around today and still engaged with bringing innovators to this region. And so they've really kind of led the way of how those big companies can continue to, to work with their community. But in general, you know, there will always be a need for startups and entrepreneurs because big companies, uh, you know, notoriously move slower. And that's why startups and innovators and smaller firms can be much more nimble and innovative. And I think with 5G, we're going to see a lot of that activity. And again, we're one of the few markets that has that technology. So being able to test here and prove your technology in the backyard of the new T-Mobile is going to be a great advantage for us and something I think that we'll plan to leverage in attracting those people that can improve. And I would say, too, you know, just looking at the landscape of innovation here in Kansas City, so many of the people that have been successful in starting innovative tech companies at one point in time worked for Sprint. And so we've got that ecosystem here and can show, even the Kauffman Foundation years ago put it together a map showing how the people who have worked with several very large employers here but spun out to start industry vertical companies that have success. So there's a there's a good track record of that here, and I would expect that to continue uh, with the new T-Mobile. What would be your message to T-Mobile as they consider uh, or start to consider strategy options in the KC area? Yeah, and they've been very clear that you know something I don't, that Kansas City and the, and the campus that Sprint has will be a second headquarters. And I, I do believe that until I hear otherwise because there are so many highly skilled engineers and industry experts that are based in Overland Park in the Kansas City area. And if you were to relocate all of those workers, you, know, you would lose and have a significant brain drain, specifically if you had to move to a more higher cost market like Seattle. So I feel very confident that they will not only stay, but continue to grow that workforce here in Kansas City because we've been a telecommunication hub since, uh, I mean, gosh, it goes back a long way if you want to, if you want to go that way. But we've got a very concentrated, high-skilled workforce here, which is the currency of their future success. So I would be very surprised to see them eliminate those high-skilled positions and try to relocate those people to a higher-cost market like Seattle. So what do you think the trickle-down effects on this are in the technology and then along with just the general trickle-down effects? 
Well, I mean, for us, you know, I'd like to tell you that some major things are going to change, but Spurgeon's always been here. <laughs> so, you know, they, they rode away the ups and downs of the last several years, but I know that for everyone in the leadership over there, it's all up. There's not going to be any more um, uncertainty about the future of that company, which is incredibly exciting. I think for everyone that's been there and has been involved with that company, that's been the goal all along with this merger, is that the future is going to be very clear. And even though this merger's been on for probably much longer than it needed to, they've been continuing to invest in very strategic ways with infrastructure and also with 5G. So the trickle down of that to the businesses that are based here is going to be immediate and already starting to see signs of that. But long term, as this company continues to thrive and leverage this, this new infrastructure, I think it's going to be a great advantage and really a feather in the cap to have that company have a second quarter headquarters here in Kansas City. I think as you're trying to recruit new innovative companies and grow those companies that are here, that's a great advantage to have all of that intellectual property and all those leaders and all that technology and infrastructure distributed around Kansas City is just a huge advantage for us. So you say the future is going to be clear. Do you think that the Sprint Accelerator and other uh, accelerators or entrepreneurial startup, uh, do you think that they might be affected at, along with this as well? Oh, I think, I think that's way too early to tell. I wouldn't even feel comfortable commenting on the future of the specific programs. But I know that for the Sprint Accelerator, it's been a great impact in their community. And certainly we would support that program continuing because of how we're able to connect emerging companies with large corporations in Kansas City. I think it's a very unique asset and would certainly, you know, the, the premise of that program would live well beyond, you know, whether it's a the big corporation sponsoring that or not. But that's too early to tell, and I think that'd be pretty, pretty sure to discuss. Our next story involves a type of plant that has recently been legalized in states around the country. Can you guess what it is? Is it marijuana? No, it's hemp. Federal regulation of hemp became more lax as a result of the 2018 Farm Bill. Okay, I get that. But what is hemp? It's a form of cannabis, like marijuana, but the concentration of THC, marijuana's active ingredient, is much lower. Hemp is often grown and processed into fiber and for other uses. And there's a business opportunity there. Absolutely. One local example is United American Hemp, a company based in the Kansas City area. The company produces seeds for farmers who wish to grow hemp to sell to the market. United American Hemp has one commercially available clone that it sells, but it conducts research and development to generate additional varieties of hemp that it can sell to farmers. Whoa. So how big of a market can this really be? Well, keep in mind, this is still a very new and niche market. There are a ton of questions that need to be answered to determine if the hemp market is viable and if it can be profitable for lots of businesses. Reporter Ralph Chapoco spoke with James DeWitt, the CEO and one of the co-founders of United American Hemp, to tell us a bit about his company and to answer some of those questions. What did you do 
prior to coming to United American Hemp. What was your career background and career trajectory before becoming the kind of the co-founder of this company? Uh, I spent a little over 12 years at a wealth management firm in uh, Leewood and subsequently Overland Park after we moved called Creative Planning. You know, for me, I kind of got to the point where I, I wasn't as excited about uh, finance and I was trying to find, you know, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. Uh, my friend Michael Wilson and I started talking about what we were, we wanted to create a business and we wanted to do something together. We didn't know exactly what that was. We did some investigation, we tried a few different things, and we saw that um, well, we got interested in the cannabis and CBD and hemp space. And it just so happened at that time, Kansas was working on putting together a industrial hemp research program that they were going to launch in early 2019. So we started doing some research. We realized the federal government was going to sign uh, into law the 2018 Agricultural Improvement Act, or the Farm Bill, and um, we decided the best place for us to start would be something where we actually had to learn how to grow and manage the plant, which not a lot of people want to do. I think there's a lot of people that that are that want to be part of the industry, but they don't want to go through the complexity of, you know, whether that's compliance or regulation or you know legal um, difficulties of actually managing the plant. So we thought that's the perfect spot for us to start. And so, yeah, we, we uh, created the business on December 20th of 2018, the day the Farm Bill was signed into law. And as soon as the state of Kansas put together all of their applications and rules for industrial hemp, we applied and received a license and started growing industrial hemp. And that's the beginning. It's interesting. It's, it's fun. You know, you get to you know, every day you're building something new, and there's not really necessarily like a playbook that you could follow to do it just right. You kind of have to, you know, every day's a little different, um, and you're trying to build out repeatable processes. You mentioned that this was a significant market opportunity. I want you to characterize it for me, just how big of a, of a market opportunity and this, um, and how big of a market opportunity it is for this industry when you were starting to do your research. I think it depends on who you talk to. You know, there's a lot of talk about the billions and trillions of dollars of market that the hemp and CBD and cannabis industry have. Um, I would say it's a significant opportunity if you're willing to put in the effort and the time. I mean, this isn't like, to, to do this right, it, it takes hard work. I mean, this is not like, I could just get rich quick. It's not, it's not margins that are, you know, off the charts. The margins are good. And, and, and the more integrated you get into the verticals within this industry, you know, like let's say if you're, you're growing the plant, you're processing the plant, and then you're retailing the plant, you're really increasing your margins. You've got a really great margin on the cost, you know, to go from seed all the way to sale. Uh, if you're in one particular portion, like one segment of that vertical, like if you're just growing the plant or just doing the extraction or just doing the sales, your margins aren't as good, but they're still great. It's interesting how you set this company, because you kind of set it up in a specific part of the ecosystem where you're researching and developing the seeds. Feel for, uh, question is, do you feel pretty comfortable with that? Do you think that's the lowest risk in this ecosystem, and that's why you did it? Definitely not the, definitely not the lowest risk. There's, there's significant risk here. Um, the government could change regulations at any day to make it so that you can't do anything. They could, make, they could go back and say, now you can't have hemp anymore. 
Now, all cannabis is illegal. I mean, there's all kinds of things they could do. Um, and, you know, constantly having to find buyers. You know, we have to go find farmers to buy our seeds and cultivators who are licensed in the states that they're in. And, you know, states change their regulations all the time. And, and you're trying to, you know, trying to identify those buyers all the time. So uh, definitely not the lowest risk segment of the market to be in. Um, probably not the highest either. The, the goal of, of starting with the plant and growing it was that we wanted to be from the very, we want to be at the very beginning of that supply chain and then start working our way into other areas over time. So as we, as, you know, Kansas comes out with a commercial program, we can move our way into processing of the plant. Um, as, you know, you know maybe, maybe at some point we move it to the retail side of it and we actually process it and then sell, um, maybe it's a CBD product you know, some other kind of hemp oil or something. Um, we would like to move up through all those different areas, but we wanted to start at the place where we have to learn the plant and actually manage it. And that gives us a, an upper hand in a lot of different parts of that the industry. Um, the, the actual research for new clones or for new characteristics of these, of these seeds, is that risk mitigation in, um, in your mind, or is that a way to expand the market to different regions of the country or the internationally? I think it's both. Um, you know, continuing to develop, develop out genetics, you know, creating new varieties, breeding plants, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to, to diversify out from having, let's say, one strain or one variety, uh, because maybe that, that's not the variety everybody wants to grow. And additionally, like, you know, like you mentioned with other markets, you know, different different uh, breeding techniques and, you know, genetic traits in the plants are going to do better in different environments potentially. And so having those available uh, is a risk mitigation and an opportunity at the same time. Okay, Max, do you know what it's time for? Is it time for digits? It is. It's time for us to give you all our digits, the numbers that matter in Missouri startup news. My digit for this week is $7 million. $7 million? Yes, Naomi, $7 million. That's how much CareSignal, a St. Louis-based digital health startup, has raised from four investors. Investors in the latest raise include Unity Point Health Ventures, Nutera Capital, 1984 Ventures, and OSF Ventures, the St. Louis Business Journal reported. The company, which started in 2015 as Evpharmix, developed a remote patient monitoring platform used by physicians and health systems. It rebranded as CareSignal in January and plans to use its new funding to invest in marketing and sales. Okay, Naomi, now the time has come for you to give me your digits. My digit this week is $300,000. Really? Yes, really. That's the amount of money originally earmarked for a Kansas City innovation district that has been cut from the mayor's latest budget proposal. The current fiscal year's budget was approved all the way back in March of 2019 and included an initial $300,000 for Keystone Innovation District, which would house a startup accelerator, co-working spaces, and more. A new proposed budget cut that, and it also cut $75,000 for KC SourceLink and $50,000 for Launch KC, two other entrepreneurship initiatives. Okay, we just finished with the digits. That's just about a wrap. 
But before we get out of here, we need a closing thought. Well, you know I have one, Max. It's from James DeWitt, the CEO and co-founder of United American Hemp, who we talked to earlier. He emphasized that entrepreneurs who want to keep their businesses moving in the direction they want them to should do what they can to not lose control of the company. If you can build the business in a sustainable way, maybe slowly, um, or you could make enough money to then expand the way you want to expand, I, I think that is, that is a big deal. If you can build a business without taking on debt or additional investors, more power to you. And that's all for this week. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Naomi Kling and me, Max Hogan. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time on Missouri Business Alerts, Speaking Startup. Yay, we did it! Kling. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get that someday. I'll get it.